Hey, Pastor Bobby here. I'm so glad you're joining us to hear what God is sharing with our community here at Chapel. And I pray, I am praying right now for you, that this message will bless you. It'll be an inspiration to you. It will challenge you to be who God has called you to be and to do what God has called you to do. And so as we jump into the message, I pray that you open up your mind to God's word, open up your heart to God's spirit, and watch the two come together to bring a supernatural miracle in your life. So let's jump into what God is speaking to us right now. You know, that was written by Mark Lowry in 1984. The lyrics were, but he didn't put music to it until 1991 uh, when Michael English, who was part of the Gaither vocal band, helped him write it and produce it. And they made it go all over the country, all over the world. It's been cut many, many, many other times. And somebody asked Mark, they said, you know, why did you write this song? He said, it's really just, if I was sitting down with Mary with a cup of coffee, just ask her, what did you know? What did you not know? Like, did you understand what was going on? Did, what, what did you, and there's like this conversation and the song never actually answers the questions. It just asks the questions. And so a lot of people have actually questioned the song. Like, obviously Mary knew because the angel told her. One person in Australia, Michael Frost, who's a Baptist theologian and part of the missional church movement, said it's the most sexist song ever written. Most sexist song ever written because he keeps asking Mary over and over, did you know, did you know, did you know? Well, I do that every week when I ask Toy, where do you want to eat at? Where do you want to eat? It's the same thing. And he said, well, well, you wouldn't write a song asking Abraham 17 times if he knew. And so what's interesting about the song is that it goes along with the scripture, but the scripture, just like the song, doesn't really answer the questions. If you your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter one, verse 26. The scripture is Gabriel coming to talk to Mary, who's a 14-year-old girl who I believe is probably hearing God. God has not spoken for 400 years, and this is kind of the first time God is speaking, and he's speaking through angels. And it says this in verse 26. It says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for ye have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and who will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and ever. And his king, in his kingdom there will be no end. Father, we thank you that we serve a king that has no end to his kingdom. And that, Father, we get to be citizens and saints within that kingdom. And right now, Father, we thank you that your promises are so clear, that your word is so clear but Father, help us come into understanding of what your word means to us in our everyday life. Let us come to an understanding, not just of your purposes, but the journey towards the fulfillment of your purposes. So Father, open up our minds, our hearts, and our spirits to what you're saying to us and through us as we join you on the journey towards heaven. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. See, Mary is 14 years old, and the angel tells her she's gonna have a son, He's gonna be called the son of the most high God. He's gonna have the throne of his father, David. And he's also gonna reign over the kingdom of Jacob forever and ever. But he doesn't tell her what that's going to look like. He doesn't tell her all the in-between pieces of that puzzle. 
And I don't know if you know, but 14-year-olds think they know everything. They think they know life. They think they know parenting. They think they know education. They think they know more than their teachers, more than their coaches, more than their parents. They think they know everything. And they do have some knowledge. They know more about algebra than I do. They know more about trigonometry than I do, more about chemistry. But they lack understanding. So you can know something and not understand it. You, You can have knowledge of something, but not understand what that knowledge actually means. Einstein said any fool can get knowledge, but the goal is understanding. It's almost like Dylan the other day was talking about We're talking about parenting and all these things. He's like, well, you know, I don't count to the kids. If I tell them not to do something, I just tell them not to do something, then I discipline them. I said, you're still young. As you get older, your body gets tired. Counting is easier than getting up off the couch sometimes. See, before you have kids, you think you know. If I ever have kids and they act like that at Walmart, I'm going to handle my business. Until you have kids... And you understand, well, when I have kids, I'm not going to let them sleep in the bed with me. Well, until you've been six nights without sleep, did you understand why people let their kids sleep in the bed? See, you can know some things. See, Mary knew what it was like to have a baby. She'd seen babies before, but she didn't understand what that meant to her life. She knew about the Messiah She'd heard prophecies over and over and over again about the Messiah, but she didn't understand what it would look like in real life. See, you can know something and not understand. And the older I get, the more I realize I don't understand. There's things that God has shown me that I know are true, but I don't understand them quite yet. Mary knew that Jesus would be the son of God. But she had no clue what that meant to her, what that meant to Joseph, what that meant to Jesus, and what that even meant to you and I. She thought he'd be a king like David was a king. She thought he'd take over the kingdom and have a throne in Jerusalem. She didn't realize this was an eternal throne in heaven looking down. And here's the principle I need you to get is that many times God will give you a picture of the promise. And the picture will be very clear. But you have to trust him with the pieces of the promise. See, he didn't give her the pieces of the promise. He gave her the picture. You're going to have a son, and he's going to be the son of the Most High God. He gave her a clear picture. But he did not tell her what the pieces of the puzzle would look like. He gave her a picture. But he didn't say, you're going to have this promise in a barn, in a manger, because people aren't even gonna let you stay in a hotel to have this baby. He didn't tell her that as soon as you have the baby, Herod's gonna try to kill the baby and you're gonna have to run for your life to a whole nother country in Egypt. He didn't tell her that you're gonna have this baby, but the pieces are you're gonna be a a young mother and you're gonna leave the baby behind in Jerusalem on accident because he's teaching in the tabernacle and it'll be Home Alone, the sequel or prequel of Home Alone. He didn't tell her, you're going to have this baby of promise. But that means you're going to have to watch him suffer and be persecuted for righteousness sake. He didn't tell her, you're going to have to watch him be falsely accused and face trial in the middle of the night. He didn't tell her, she's going to have to watch him be murdered upon a cross 
being an eyewitness to watching every drop of blood from her baby be poured out onto the ground. He didn't tell her that she's gonna watch her baby be buried in a tomb. He also didn't tell her that three days later she's gonna watch her baby come back up. He gave her a picture, but he didn't show her the pieces to the puzzle. He didn't show her that after 40 days after he's resurrected, she's gonna have to watch him leave a again to ascend up into heaven. See, she had a picture, but all the pieces weren't quite there. God will give you a picture of the promises, but you have to trust him with the pieces that he gives you to fulfill those promises. Joseph, here's the picture. Your brother's gonna bow down and worship you, which is every brother's greatest dream. Your brother's gonna bow down and worship you. He didn't tell him the pieces to that picture. It's gonna be your brother's hating you and mocking you and then throwing you into a pit, only to look down upon you and despise you as you're about to die. Then he didn't show him the peace of them getting him out of there and selling him to slave traders, only to take him to Egypt, where he sold him to slavery to Potiphar, where Potiphar's wife falsely accuses this man of God of raping her when he's completely innocent. He didn't tell him, here's the picture, your brother's gonna bow down and worship you, but you're gonna be in a dungeon in a third world country. He didn't tell him you're going to have to go through famine only to see the picture come into focus at the very end of your life. David, he gives him the picture of being king. He's anointed king. This young man seeing this picture of being king of Israel. But he didn't know the pieces of the puzzle would be as soon as he's anointed king, he goes right back to the field to shepherd the sheep. That's no place for a king. He didn't know it was going to mean taking cheese sandwiches to his brothers on the front lines of the battlefield. He didn't know that this picture of being king would take the peace of fighting a giant with few stones. He didn't know that the piece of the puzzle was going to be playing the harp for the king and serving the king, even though he's supposed to be the king. He didn't know that the piece of the puzzle was going to be the king getting jealous of him and trying to kill him. He didn't know he'd have to flee his own kingdom until the end of his life the picture comes back into focus you see it's it's no coincidence that no matter if it's David or Joseph or Mary that when you receive a promise from God you get a picture of what it's going to look like but you have no idea which pieces God's going to use to bring the picture to fruition you have no clue so when you say yes to the promise when you say yes to the picture you have to trust God with the pieces. And the pieces are what are hard to handle. The promise is easy. See, when you say yes to Jesus, you don't get to choose how he fulfills his will for your life. When you say yes to the promise, you don't get to pick how. That's, it'd be easy if you said, you know what, God, I'll take your promise, but let me pick my pieces out to build it with. Mary, yes, God, I will birth your baby, but let's do it in a nice, clean hospital, first of all. Let's do it in a kingdom that actually loves me and loves my baby. Let's do it in a way that's sanitary, in a way that's, that's healthy, in a way that's good. Let's do it in a way where my son doesn't have to be persecuted. Let's do it in a way where my son doesn't have to die. Let's do it in a way that's, Joseph, your brother's going to bow down to you. Yes, okay, let's do it my way. Let's go play some sports and I can be better than my brothers. Let's go do something. They can see how much better I am and they can worship me. See, you don't get to pick the pieces of the puzzle. When I said yes to Jesus, 
the puzzle pieces I've been given are not what I would have asked for. They're nowhere close. But I realize that God uses the pieces I would not choose to fulfill the promise that I would choose. See, the picture gives you motivation to trust God with the pieces even when they don't make sense. So Mary, did you know? Mary knew the picture, but Mary had no clue which pieces God was gonna use to fulfill the promise. See, I'm not a big jigsaw puzzle fan, but I do know there's some lessons that God starts with giving you a picture, just like the puzzle starts with the picture. But then there's a lot of pieces in this box that make no sense on their own. But as the pieces start getting assembled together, sometimes through trial and error, sometimes through, through perseverance, sometimes, sometimes through help of other people, sometimes as it starts getting put together, the pieces start to make sense. And as you're on the journey of fulfilling the picture, you have to trust that God actually knows what he's doing when he gives you the pieces. And there's a few lessons you can learn from doing jigsaw puzzles that I believe will help you in seeing God fulfill the promise that he's given you for your life. Now, some of you, like the blonde lady who was trying to put together the jigsaw puzzle in the, in the kitchen, and she was frustrated, none of the pieces were working, none of it was making sense, she called out to her husband, husband, what? Come help me put together this puzzle. He comes in there, he said, what's it supposed to be? She said, it's supposed to be a tiger. And he starts looking at the pieces and he's trying to put them together. He says, babe, I don't think this is ever gonna make a tiger, but we do need to put these frosted flakes back into the box. <laughs> Some of you, you feel like your life is just frosted flakes scattered. They don't look like anything God has shown you. And I'm here to tell you, it may be because you haven't got your God picture from God yet because maybe you're still trying to develop your own picture and your pieces that God gives you will never develop your own picture. But if you trust God to give you a new picture and a new life and a new hope, then the pieces will start to make sense in the context of the whole thing. So when you start a puzzle, the very first thing you do is you get the picture out. I don't know about you, but when I do it, I get the picture out. I put the picture where I can see it so I can start going through the pieces of the puzzle and start seeing which parts go where. And I'll start separating the pieces to the areas I think they may go to. Now, I don't know about you, but almost every person I've ever seen work a puzzle, they have this setting up in a place where they can see it very clearly. And so when you want to figure out, when you're going through life and trying to figure out where all the pieces go, the first thing you need to do is stay focused on the bigger picture. Stay focused on the promise. Stay focused on what God said to you. Stay focused on the bigger picture because God gave it to you. The creator gave you the picture as inspiration and a guide to stay focused on him, not the pieces. When you get so caught up looking at the pieces and lose sight of the picture, that's when anxiety, that's when frustration, that's when chaos, that's, that's when sadness, that's when hopelessness comes in. Because when you have a bunch of pieces, but you don't see the picture, you'll start thinking God is a bad God. You start thinking, why would God give me these things that have no meaning and no context, they don't look like they fit, like my marriage, that I've been divorced twice, that doesn't seem to fit. But when you start looking at the picture, 
This little gray piece doesn't look like much, but I'll realize when I see the picture, that's part of the sky. Even though it looks gloomy here, here it looks like it's part. See, the picture gives context to the pieces. The picture gives context to the puzzle of your life. When you have the picture, Joseph had a picture, but he didn't know all these pieces were gonna be part of the picture. But at least when he's going through it, being in a dungeon doesn't look like it fits, but towards the end of his life, it fits perfectly as long as he stays focused on the picture. Proverbs 19 says this way, 29, 18 says, where there's no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who keeps the law. Meaning, as long as the picture is in front of you, you have some motivation behind you. As long as the picture's in front of you, you can keep working on the puzzle together. As long as the picture's in front of you, you'll have a little bit of restraint. You won't give up on God as long as the picture's in front. You won't give up on your marriage as long as the picture's in front of you. You won't give up on your kids as long as the picture's in front of you. The picture gives context to your problems. Mary, when her son wanders off and she loses him for three days, the promise that he's the son of God gave context to the problem. When he's being persecuted, the picture gave context to the problem. See, the picture God gives you, whether through a prophetic word, through a promise, through scripture, he gave it to you for a reason. Because you're gonna come through moments in life where the pieces aren't gonna make sense. And you're gonna need some context to keep focused on God. You're gonna need some context to stay moving in the right direction. And God gave you that picture to help you. So some of you need to go home, you need to write down the promise God gave you. Some of you need to get in your Bible and start scribbling and highlighting things God has spoken to you. Some of you need to write down, put it on your mirror so every morning you see that promise God has given you. Some of you, it's for your kids, you need to write their name and write the promise God gave you about your child. Because if not, when they start acting a fool, you'll lose context and you'll start treating them like a fool. But if you can remember the bigger picture, you'll start treating them like their picture and not the problem. The picture gives context. Some of you need to write it down, put it on your dashboard. So that way when you're speeding through Rogersville and the cop pulls you over, you can tell, sir, there's no problem here. I was just focused on my promise. Get behind me, Satan. So you have to keep the picture in focus. And there'll be a lot of times in life you have to bring your attention back to the promise. See, even Jesus said in John 17, 3, he says, right now you don't understand what I'm doing, but someday you will. Right now you may not understand how all the pieces fit, but you do have the picture. And the picture will get you through moments in life that you may not make it through without it. God gave you the picture. God gave you the promise to keep your eyes on the prize and not lose sight. That's the first thing you do. And the second thing you do when you do a puzzle, you start looking for all the border pieces, the corners, the sides, the top, the bottom. You start getting them out of the box, you start putting them in their place. Because when you start establishing boundaries of the puzzle, it, it brings chaos into order. It starts bringing meaning and purpose into the whole puzzle. If not, you'll start building stuff that probably doesn't even fit into the puzzle. And so when you start getting a promise from God, you need to create boundaries, and the word of God is those boundaries. 2 Timothy 3.16 says this, all scripture 
is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete. Or the purpose or the promise of God, the puzzle of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. God gave you his word to create boundaries so that you could complete the puzzle of life. Without God's word, life remains a puzzle. With God's word, you get boundaries. The pieces start fitting and start making sense. See, you need to know who you are and who you're not. That is the boundaries. God's word will tell you, here is who you are. Here is who you're not. Because what happens is, if you lose sight of the boundaries of the puzzle, you'll start getting outside of the puzzle and start trying to build your own puzzle. And there's a lot of people, a lot of people, they receive the picture of the promise, but never receive it because they disqualify themselves for building their own puzzle. Listen, God's word gives you the boundaries so that you don't disqualify yourself from what God wants to do in and through you. When you're working on the puzzle, you have to create those borders so that way you know everything fits within here. When you read God's word, you're creating these borders of your life, your moral values, who you are. Because what happens, we live in a day and age where we want everything else outside of the boundaries to start telling us what we should believe. I'm here to tell you, you don't need an opinion. I don't need an opinion. God's word is the boundaries of my life, not my opinions. I don't choose what I believe politically. I don't choose what I believe morally. I don't choose what I believe about sin. God's word creates the boundaries and my puzzle will be, be completed inside those boundaries of my promise and my purpose. Some of you, you have no boundaries and you look at your life and it's just a bunch of pieces scattered all over your life. And the reason it's scattered, the reason it doesn't make sense is because you have no boundaries in order to understand what God is trying to do in and through you. If you want your life to make sense, create some boundaries to figure it out. Number three, when you're working on a puzzle, one, you have to stay focused on the bigger picture. Two, start working on the boundaries. And three, when pieces don't look like they're fitting. When you can't find that one piece. Have you ever done a puzzle and you have all the pieces together, but there's one piece like in the middle that you're missing. And you keep trying to find that one piece. You try a piece, that one doesn't work. You try another piece, that one doesn't work. Whenever you start missing a piece, you can't force another piece into that spot. So when there's a piece missing, you can't replace a missing piece. It'll still be missing. What happens is you start trying to force a, a replacement piece into a missing piece. And when you do that, you end up tearing up the pieces around it and the piece you're trying to put it. See, a replacement piece will not replace a missing piece. And some of you, you come to a point in your life, you're trying to work on the puzzle, trying to get it all to fit, get it all to work, make it all happen. And you're frustrated because it doesn't seem to be working. And so you start talking to God and you start trying to manipulate or even change the promise because you have a piece that may not be the right piece, but it's close enough. It looks like it's close and you'll start to squeeze that thing in there. You know it's that because you have to start punching it down on the table. God is not a God who overlooks little details. If the piece doesn't fit, it means it's not God's timing. Because when it's not God's timing, you can't force it. 
But when it is God's timing, you cannot stop it. And what happens is God gave you a promise. You start working on the puzzle pieces together. You start trying to make it work. And you think, well, you know, I'm getting kind of lonely and this piece is missing. I know this isn't who God wants me to marry, but it's close enough. Said about 99.9% of divorcees. It's not what I wanted. It's not who God called me to marry, but he's close enough. He has hair, he's not too fat, and he has a job. And you start trying to squeeze it in there and force it in. Well, I know this isn't what God called me to do or what God has called me, who he's called me to be. But I'm going to stretch my values and my morals and make it fit because I'm getting lonely and I'm trying to make something happen on my own. And when you start trying to make something happen on your own when it comes to your promise, is when you start breaking yourself down and start breaking the promise down. Abraham, God gave him a picture. He said, you're gonna have a child. You and Sarah are gonna have a child. Year after year after year, he stops and says, God, where's the child? God says, looks at the stars. He said, you're gonna have more kids than all these stars combined. Okay, God, but where's the child? At 100 years old, He's looking at this piece. He's a very prosperous man. He's rich. He's, he's, he's almost famous at this point. And he looks at this puzzle of his life, and there's one piece in the middle missing. As he's looking at that piece, his wife Sarah comes and says, you know, God's not doing, he's not giving us the piece we need. Let's just get our own piece. How about instead of me having a baby, why don't you go to Hagar, my maidservant, and why don't you lay with her and get her pregnant, and then we can fit that piece into this puzzle. And he goes, he has a baby with Hagar, and they try to fit that piece into God's promise. And as they try to fit it in, they keep pushing it, pushing it. Not only does it break Sarah and Abraham, it breaks Hagar and Ishmael. And it broke a a long-term eternal promise of God to mankind because they tried to force it. Some of you, if you were just a little bit more patient, you'd see that the peace may not be in full sight, but God is going to bring it at just the right time and bring it to pass. Romans 8.29 says, God works all things together to the good for those who love him and are called to his purposes. Meaning if I try to force it, God stops working. But if I trust God with the pieces, God is still working all the pieces together to make the promise come into being. Some of you, this is my plea for you. You've been looking at the same empty space year after year after year. January 31st, you're going to make some resolutions to make it happen on your own. I'm here to tell you, No matter how hard you force it, it's never going to completely fill the empty space you're looking at. Only God can fill the empty places of your life. Only God can give context to the little pieces of your puzzle. Because when you force it, you'll break it. And sometimes when it gets frustrating, sometimes when you can't see what's going on, sometimes you're looking at all these puzzle pieces and you're looking for that one piece to fit or sometimes you're looking at this and it just doesn't work. Do you ever get just frustrated with life? Like life just doesn't make sense. It's not going the way you thought it should go. You're thinking God said he's going to do this. There's lots of things I thought that God said that I thought would have happened like that. And they still have not happened. 
There's other things I thought they would happen in more efficient ways than what God chose. Because God doesn't know as well as I know what he should be doing. And you get frustrated, you start looking for the right piece, or you start trying to get frustrated, you can't find what you're looking for, and things stop making sense. Those are the moments in life when you start just losing context of the picture. When you start getting where you lose sight of all the pieces and it just looks like a box of decisions, a box of bad opportunities, a box of frustration, a box of anxiety. Those are the moments that you just need to take a break. Get away from the table. Go eat some more chicken. Go eat some more bunions to the glory of God. Go take a break because when you come back, you'll see things differently than when you were focused. Sometimes you get so focused on things. Sometimes you get so focused on your pain, that's all you can see. Sometimes you get so focused on your failures, that's all you can see. Sometimes you get so focused on your shame, that's all you can see. And when you're looking at it, you're so focused on it, you can't see that the piece that you're looking for may be right next to you because you're so focused on this one. Scientists call it inintentional blindness. Meaning you can see, but you're inintentionally blind because you're so focused on one thing that you can no longer see something else. And when you take a break from it and you get your eyes off of whatever you're focused on, when you come back, you'll have a better perspective and a better view. That's why we're doing 21 days of fasting. Because you're going to take your eyes off all the pieces all the problems, all the shame, all the things of the flesh, all your sinful desires, all your pain, all your guilt, all these things, all the frustration. You can take your eyes off of them for a second and focus on the creator of your puzzle for 21 days. And you're going to look at him. He's going to bring the picture back into view and give you clarity as you sacrifice the natural desires so that you can focus on the spiritual desires. You can let your flesh die for 21 days so you can feed your spirit. As you feed your spirit, you start to see things in the spirit more clearly. Some of you have lost sight of your promise because you're so caught up on the pieces that don't seem to fit. You need to take a break and focus on God, the creator of your life and your puzzle. He'll bring it all back into context again. We don't just fast because you need to lose weight. We fast because you need to gain insight. We fast because your flesh is usually stronger than your spirit. And nine times out of 10, your sin is committed because your flesh tells your spirit what it's gonna do. When you fast, your spirit tells your flesh what it's going to do. And when you gain strength in your spirit, everything else seems easier. In Ezra 8.21, one of my favorite scriptures on fasting. Ezra says, then I proclaimed a fast there at the river Ahava that we might humble ourselves before our God to seek from him a safe journey for ourselves, our children, and all of our goods. Now they were under attack at this moment. So Ezra, it would make sense for him to get the army ready, get the weaponry ready, and start looking out for their enemies. But instead, he says, that's the natural desire. That's the puzzle pieces. Let's put the puzzle pieces aside and let's just spend time and focus on God and fast and pray and seek his help for my puzzle. I'm going to seek his help to make sense 
of all of this. I'm going to seek his help to get my picture back in the clarity. I'm going to seek his help to just get a picture of what I'm supposed to be doing. See, fasting is taking a break from your life naturally so you can get insight for it spiritually. It's no coincidence. I know we fast every January. But for some of you, it's a God-appointed time to break free. For some of you, it's a God-appointed time for your purpose, for God's plan for your life, for your destiny, for your hope, for your breakthrough, for your freedom to come into full picture so you have context to all the stuff you're going through. And to be honest, going 21 days without food or without social media or without meat is not the worst thing that can happen in January. The worst thing that can happen is you live a life full of pieces of the puzzle and them never making sense. Once you take a break and you come back, sometimes you gotta stay there and just persevere through. Because faith is perseverance. Faith is pushing through. Faith is lasting longer than those who give up before you. Listen, not everybody makes it to the promise. Not everyone finishes their race. Not everyone fulfills their promises. Not everyone finishes their purpose. Not everyone walks into their destiny. Some people quit before they're finished. Some people quit. They get up from the table and never go back to finish the puzzle of their life. You cannot be one. My motivation for you today is you cannot quit just because you don't understand. When you don't understand is when your faith actually starts beginning. When you understand, it takes zero faith. But when you have this picture in front of you and all these pieces that don't seem to match and you don't understand, that's when faith actually starts. Mary, here's a promise, her faith didn't actually start. She even said, how can this be? Her faith didn't start until she saw Jesus being persecuted and suffering, thinking this doesn't fit the puzzle. Joseph's faith didn't start when he received the promise. His faith started when he was in a pit looking up at his brothers. That's when faith started, when it doesn't make sense, when you don't understand. Perseverance is pushing through your lack of understanding because you trust God more than your own thoughts. Galatians 6 9 says, do not grow weary in well-doing. Do not grow weary in well, do not grow weary as you're trusting God with the pieces to your puzzle. Do not grow weary for in due time, touch your neighbor say in due time. In due time, you'll see the picture that God gave you come into fruition. Mary at the cross didn't make sense, but three days later, the picture now looks very clear. David, when he's fleeing from Saul, the picture doesn't look like it makes sense. The pieces don't make sense. But all of a sudden, when he's sitting on the throne, the picture starts to make sense. Joseph, it didn't make sense when he was in the dungeon, when he's in the pit. But all of a sudden, when he's king pretty much over all of Egypt, and his brothers come in needing help for the famine, he looks down upon them, they're bowing down. Now, all of a sudden, the picture makes sense. If I would have known what I know now, when I said yes to Jesus, laying in the floor of a basement at Toy's mom's house, and I said yes to Jesus and I said yes to his purposes, I didn't know that meant moving back to Nashville, Tennessee. I didn't know that meant going through spiritual warfare like I'd never seen before in my life. I didn't know that meant 
packing up and leaving Nashville, Tennessee to come to some place called the Shoals no one has ever heard of. I didn't know that meant watching Toya get sick and not be able to walk or talk for almost a year. I didn't know that meant watching Ariana have a bicycle accident and almost die. I didn't know that meant watching Alicia have epilepsy and have seizures right in front of me when I could do nothing to stop it. I didn't know that meant RJ having cystic fibrosis and watching him get healed of it. I didn't know that meant watching all these things happen in my life over and over again and seeing these pieces that all together make no sense at all. But perseverance says if God started something, God's going to finish it. It, it, makes, it doesn't look like it makes sense now, but at the end of the journey, I have to trust that God gave me the picture. He's making all these pieces come to fit at some point in my life to create a beautiful picture. Because sometimes the best puzzles, the best pictures take a little bit longer than a little bitty 10-piece puzzle your kids do that looks like it's cut off of hardwood. Sometimes more delicacies, sometimes more details, sometimes the greater the purpose, the longer the lack of understanding. But the greater the trust that if God gave you the picture, you have to trust him with the pieces. And as you trust him with the pieces, at some point you're like Joseph. All these pieces just keep folding together, folding together. None of them make sense at all. And then one day you look up and you're like, boom, that's the picture. See, God doesn't give you the, the picture of the promise just so you can say, I got a promise from God. He gives it to you to help you persevere through seasons, seasons of life that you want to give up on. He gives you the picture as inspiration and motivation and guidance to keep on pushing forward when you get tired of doing good. He gives you the picture to help you persevere through those seasons you feel like giving up because you don't see the picture coming into play. But if I can keep the picture in focus, all the pieces have context. If you would, just bow your heads and close your eyes just for a moment. Mary, did you know that when you said yes to the promise, you were saying yes to the pieces God chose to use to fulfill the promise. Absolutely not. Mary had no clue. In some of you in this room, you had no clue that when you said yes to Jesus and you said yes to his promises, that you didn't get to pick the pieces of the puzzle he would use to create the picture with. But when you said yes to Jesus and his promises, now you have to trust the fact that if he's going to paint the picture, he's going to choose which pieces he wants to use to create the picture out of. So for some of you, you need to get that picture back into focus. You need to focus on that promise God laid out in front of you. That purpose, for some of you, that's for your marriage. For some of you, it's for a ministry or for a calling. For some of you, it's your business. God gave you a promise for your business. There's a picture for it. You need to keep that picture in front of you. For some of you, it's for your kids. God gave you a promise about your child or your grandchildren. You need to keep that purpose, that picture, over top of them. Because that picture will give you context to your problems. And if you keep the picture in focus, you'll treat your problems like they're a piece of the puzzle. If you lose sight of the picture, you start treating the pieces of the puzzle that build your promise like they're part of the problem. Some of you, you need to establish some borders in your life. You need to let God's word tell you who you are 
and who you're not. You let God's word tell you what your opinions are and what your opinions aren't. Let God's word give you boundaries so you can fulfill God's purpose for your life so you don't disqualify yourself from your promise. Some of you need to take a break. You just need to pull back and take a break. Take 21 days of fasting to get clarity of what that picture is. To get a break from all the puzzle pieces so you can focus on the creator of the life, the creator of the promise, the creator of the puzzle so he can give you clarity of what the pieces actually mean. And for some of you, you need to persevere. You've been thinking about giving up. You've been thinking about taking too long. You find yourself in that, that Abraham situation where you start trying to make things work and make things fit because there's an empty spot in your life and you think this piece may work, but it doesn't work. It's close, but it doesn't quite fit. You start trying to force it in. I'm telling you, be patient. Don't force it. Be patient. God is still working. If you're still alive, God is still working. And some of you, you don't even have a picture because you're trying to make things produce what you want your life to be. And nothing around you makes any sense because the pieces that you find yourself with will never produce what you want them to produce. But when you say yes to Jesus, you give up your picture and he gives you a better picture. He gives you a new life, a better life, and he helps you make sense of the pieces that can produce the promise he's going to give you through his son, Jesus. And some of you in this room, that's what you need today. You need a new picture. You need a new life. You need a new focus. And the only way to do that is to give up your, your picture, your promises, your, your desires, your destiny, and let Jesus give you new ones. And that only happens through repenting, confessing, and believing that Jesus was not just a baby in a barn. He was a king in the flesh. And that king poured out his blood for you. That king paid the price for your failures, for your mistakes, so that you could be looked at from God the Father with pure eyes, with no wrath, no anger, full of love, full of joy, and full of hope, just as an innocent little newborn baby. If that's you this morning, he said, you know what, I just need a, I need a new picture. I just want to say yes to Jesus. Even before we get to Christmas, I just need to say yes to Jesus and get a new start, get a new life. Not going to have you come forward, not going to have you stand up. If that's you, I just want you to simply lift your hand up right where you are. If that's you, say, you know what, today is my day. Thank you. Anybody else? Wait just a moment. He said, today is my day. God has been speaking to me. He's been knocking on my heart. Thank you knocking on the door of my heart. And today I just want to say yes to Jesus. If you raise your hand, you can put your hands down. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you that you are our creator, you are our redeemer, you are our deliverer, you are our healer, you are our savior. In this moment, Father, try to figure out all the pieces of our life, all the pieces of our promise. Father, I pray for every single person right now who's confessing that you are Lord of their life. They're repenting of trying to build their own life and fulfill their own purposes. Father, they're coming to you as children, needing your love, needing your hope, and needing your forgiveness. And I pray in this moment, Father, you give them exactly that. You give them forgiveness, but you also give them a new life. 
You give them new promises that aren't temporary, but they're eternal. And give them a new outlook and a new focus on the life you're giving them. Father, help the pieces begin to make sense. Let understanding come into their minds and let faith fill their hearts. Father, we thank you for who you are, for what you've done, and what you're going to do. And we bless you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. If you would stand to your feet all over the room as we get ready to dismiss. I want to remind you, next Sunday, getting Christmas right, I promise you it's going to be an incredible, incredible Sunday. We're praying. It's a day we just see tons and tons of salvations. We see people connect the dots back to the story of Jesus instead of just the traditions of a holiday. And so we need your help, though. We're going to share some stuff on social media as well. Tag your friends in that or, or take a screenshot, use it to send to people you know. But be an inviter this week. I promise you people will say yes. But we love you. Hope you have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.